Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This episode of Pardes from Jerusalem features Yiska Smith on Parashat Tetzaveh. Be sure to catch the end of the Unmasking Purim Challenge. It is not too late to download the Pardes daily app today. Choose from three tracks, including Machshava, Jewish Thought. Visit www.pardes.org il forward slash Pardes Daily. And now, here is Yiska Smith. Actualizing the Potential of a Soul's Mission Tikkun HaNefesh Based on a teaching from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, as originally taught by Rav Shalom Brat, Zuchona Livracha. May his memory be for a blessing. Rosh Yeshiva and founder of Yeshivat Simchat Shlomo in Nachlaot Yerushalayim, February 2013. Parshat Titzavah begins with Hashem speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu in Exodus 27.20. And you shall command the children of Israel. The Baal HaTorim, Rav Yaakov ben Asher, born in Germany 1269, passed in Spain in 1343, points out that while many Parshiot open with the familiar And Hashem spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak unto the Bnei Yisrael. Such is not the case in this Parsha. From the beginning of Sefer Shemot, Exodus, until the end of Sefer Devarim, Deuteronomy, this is the only weekly Parsha in which we find Hashem speaking to Moshe, but we do not find Moshe Rabbeinu's name in it. Why is this so? The Lubavitcher Rebbe also points out that there are two extremely opposing aspects in this Parsha. On the one hand, Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned at all. And on the other hand, throughout the Parsha, Hashem speaks to him directly in the very familiar second person, and you shall command, and you shall make, and you shall take. According to the Kabbalah, Moshe Rabbeinu was the Gilgul, the reincarnation, the transmigration of a soul of Noach. Noach was a very great tzaddik, and because of him, the world and humankind were saved. Yet, Hashem did not choose Noach as the father of the Jewish people. We may wonder, why was he not a great enough tzaddik to be the father of Bnei Yisrael? For those, by the way, who wish to become more acquainted with the Kabbalistic idea of Gilgul, reincarnation and soul transmigration, I've attached an article to the source sheet discussing this. Chassidut explains that when Hashem told Noah that he was going to destroy the world with a flood, 
we do not find in the Torah that Noah prayed to change or protested against Hashem's plan. Instead, he understood and accepted God's plan as it was revealed. We read in Genesis 6-9 that Noah walked with God. In Bereshit Vav Tet, Et Elohim Hitalech Noach. More than he was with humankind. In fact, he faithfully and wholeheartedly obeyed Hashem's command. We find in Genesis 6.22, a few verses later, Noach did according to everything that God commanded him. So he did. Bereshit Vav what could be wrong with that? <laughs> Completely obedient. Did as he was told. Though he was a very righteous, and though he was very righteous and clearly obeyed Hashem's command, he could not be the father of the nation that does not give up that does not pray for salvation, and does not protest against destruction. In this respect, Avram Avinu <clears throat> was greater than Noah. Avram Avinu loved and cared about people and had faith in their potential to change, to do teshuvah, enough so to protest, to challenge, and to negotiate with Hashem over the intended destruction of Sodom and Amorah. That whole section in Genesis 18, Bereshit Yud Chet, verses 17 through 33. Because of this, Hashem chose him to be the first Jew, the first of B'nai Yisrael, entering into a covenant with him and his descendants. From this perspective, we see that Moshe Rabbeinu was the tikkun, the fixing, the healing, the bringing to potential of Noah's soul. Moshe's actions brought completion to Noah's soul, the soul that he inhabited. When Hashem told him that he was going to annihilate the Jewish people for worshiping the golden calf, he stormed the gates of heaven and even went so far as to tell Hashem in Exodus 32, 32, which is interesting, even though the Jewish tradition did not divide up the Torah, the five books of Moses, the Chumash, into chapters and verses, there is still a connection. And I find it fascinating that in 32, which is Lev, in Gematria, Lamed Bet, so in the chapter that's the heart of Exodus and in the verse that's in the heart of the chapter that's the heart of Exodus, we find this verse, the following. And now Moshe replies to God after being told that God intends to annihilate B'nai Yisrael. Moshe replies, and now if you will forgive their transgression, if only, but if not, Erase me now from the book which you have written. The heart of the heart. The word erase me, mecheni, is spelled mem chet nun yud. 
these letters rearranged spell the waters of Noach. May Noach. Mem Yud Nun Chet. This is the textual clue to the soul connection between Moshe and Noach. The Rebbe explains that Moshe Rabbeinu fulfilled two primary roles, both of which were significant aspects of his essence. One, he was the one to whom Hashem gave us his Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu was completely unified with the Torah. So much so that our own Torah, our very Torah, is actually known as Torah Moshe. In Joshua 8, 31-32 and 23, 6. In Sefer Yehoshua 8, 31 and 32, 23, 6. Torah Moshe. Secondly, another role, another very important role. Moshe Rabbeinu was also referred to as the trusted shepherd. In the Zohar, in Hebrew, the faithful shepherd, referred to in the Zohar, volume 2, 214b. So much so that he and his flock are considered as one entity, as we find in a Rashi commentary on the verse in Numbers 21.21, and Yisrael sent messengers to Sichon. Well, who is Yisrael that sent messages to Sichon? It was Moshe Rabbeinu. And Rashi comments, Moshe is the people of Yisrael, and the people of Yisrael is Moshe. Vayishalach Yisrael malachim el Sichon, and then Rashi in Hebrew comments, when we made the golden calf, these two aspects of Moshe Rabbeinu were in conflict. The people of Yisrael had transgressed one of the most serious and important commandments of the Torah and thus deserved the harsh consequences as decided by the divine judge, Hashem. Yet, <clears throat> Moshe Rabbeinu, as the reliable and faithful shepherd of all of Israel, felt responsible for every single individual in his flock, even though they had transgressed. And so Moshe felt compelled to tell Hashem, and now, if only, you will forgive their transgression. But if not, v'im ayin, Erase me now from the book which you have written. From this we may interpret that when Moshe was saying, in other words, if your Torah prevents my people from being forgiven, and I have to choose between being your messenger of Torah or being the shepherd of Israel, then erase my name from your book. Because I choose to be the faithful shepherd to remain with my people. Mm. By putting his entire worldly and heavenly existence on the line for the sake of his people, Moshe Rabbeinu fixed, he healed, he actualized the potential of Noah's soul. 
This is the kind of tzaddik that Hashem sought, indeed loves, and is closest to. Being completely connected to Hashem and at the same time absolutely connected to God's people, even to the point of being ready to sacrifice not only his connection with Hashem, but even his very life. Hashem accepted Moshe Rabbeinu's prayer and forgave us by replying to Moshe in the very next verse in Exodus 32, 33. And the Lord said to Moshe, whosoever has sinned against me, it is he who I will erase from my book, implying not Moshe, therefore granting forgiveness. Shemot lamed bet, lamed gibel. But it was not Moshe. However, since Moshe had decreed, erase my name, Hashem was, so to speak, was forced to fulfill the decree in some way. Why? It's based, this is based on a teaching in Masachet Makot 11a. Quote, the curse of a sage comes true even if it was conditional and the condition was not fulfilled. Hence, Moshe Rabbeinu's name does not appear in this parsha. That was Hashem's way of fulfilling Moshe's gezerah on himself. But the Rebbe points out that this is much deeper. Moshe's name is not in the parsha, but his essence is in the parsha. A name reveals or represents part of the essence of a person, yes, but not entirely. Moshe's name represents his deep connection to the Torah, Torah to Moshe, as we see in Sefer Yehoshua. But his connection to his people is the deepest essence of his being, deeper than that which his name could ever have expressed. Only through Hashem speaking to him directly in the second person, you, was this deepest essence revealed. Therefore, it is dafka, particularly in this parsha, titzaveh, the parsha which is read either during the week of or right after Moshe Rabbeinu's yurtzeit on Zion Adar, on the seventh of Adar, the day on which the deepest essence of a tzaddik is revealed, that Hashem fulfilled Moshe's request, Moshe's own decree. Erase my name from your book which you have written. Instead, Hashem says to him directly, and you, you the very essence of Moshe, the faithful shepherd, your deepest essence shall join me in commanding this mitzvah to the children of Israel. Thus, Moshe's deepest essence is revealed in the parsha of his yurtzeit, and he fulfilled the tikkun of Noach's soul. I would like to invite all of us to reflect and contemplate on this idea that the soul that resides within each one of us may be in this world at this time to effect a special tikkun, a fixing, a healing, a bringing of unrealized potential in a previous life to fulfillment. Each one of us can bring that soul from the past to fulfillment. It may even be through one particular mitzvah. How awesome is that? 
While we may not know the details of the divine's intention for each of our souls' special tikkun and gilgul, I suggest that mindfully increasing our performance of random acts of kindness towards others, cultivating more compassion in how we engage with our fellow human beings and the other divine creations in our world, and walking along the path of gratitude and humility can only sweeten the harshness in the world today, can only illuminate much of the darkness we experience in the world today, and can only advance both individual and collective higher consciousness, where we sense the divine presence in all areas of our lives. Maybe this is the tikkun of our whole generation. In fact, cultivating the spiritual practice of a higher consciousness consciousness may very well be the general tikkun, the tikkun klali of all of our souls today started by people in previous generations, but not yet fully realized. As descendants of Avraham Avinu, and as students, disciples of Moshe Rabbeinu, we have inherited a legacy of never giving up, always praying, always praying for salvation, and never hesitating to protest against, against injustices never hesitating to protest against injustices. In the most general sense, perhaps the tikkun for the souls of our current time, in such a strange time at that, is to once and for all usher in the redemptive consciousness, both personal and universal. Universal. Both personal and universal ha'olami. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcast today. You can also subscribe to our other podcast channels by visiting us on Spotify or online at elmod.pardes.org. Tune in next week to listen to Rav Mike Foyer as he discusses Parashat Kitisa. Thanks for listening.